Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we're here with Men of Style. And what this company does is something amazing. They teach Greek men how to flirt with women. So instead of going to a bar and feeling nervous and feeling like you're going to die, you get to feel brave enough to go over to the prettiest woman in the bar and say, hello. So the question I have for you is this. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there are seven point something billion human beings on planet Earth. Men and women have been meeting for a very long time and uh, reproducing. But yet, when I see a pretty girl across the bar, yeah. it's difficult, right? This is the problem that you guys solve. Welcome to, to the show. Thank you for having us. It's a privileged invitation. Thank you very much. Uh, as Christos earlier said, uh, this is our first international uh, interview. Um, we had one earlier with uh, a Greek-Canadian that was in Greek, so it doesn't count. Uh, and I happen to be Canadian. Really? As oh, well, okay. yes. Perfect, perfect. You guys can only go to Canada, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the thing is that, uh, yes, all these people try and meet and flirt with each other, but uh, the truth is that uh, men still have this uh, approach anxiety. They don't want to feel this pain of approaching another human being. Yes. Because uh, there is a fear of... Uh, Rejection. And the fear of uh, exposure, you know. Yes. And um, fear of not knowing what to say. Absolutely. It's, uh, and what the Men of Style does is since 2014, they've been helping Greek men meet women. It's the, most, yes. it's the most natural thing in the world to do, but yet it's difficult. And uh, when we were chatting before this interview about a week ago, I was mentioning that, you know, if someone goes to a bar and they see uh, uh, a woman that they go, oh, I'd like to be her friend, they can go, they can be magnificent, strong, powerful, charming, laughing. But if the thought changes to, I want to have sex with her or I want to date her, then all of a sudden it's the rules change. And the behavior changes. Because it's the difference it's the difference between the perception of value between the two of them. Because uh, when I have, want to have a social conversation with you, uh, it's very simple because there are no con uh, consequences. Yes. Okay, but at the second level, uh, when I want to be the lover, then I have to prove myself... That I'm worthy. That I'm worthy. Because it's evolutionary biological need, this process, uh, over millions of years, millions of years. So it's not so simple. It's very complicated, but sometimes we can make it easy. Because the core of this concept is that what are your choices? Okay, let's see that uh, from this point of view. What are your choices? Yes. Yeah. You so have what are the one choices? choice. Okay. 
the first choice is to approach the woman and say what you want. Yes. Which sometimes it's not so simple because what do you want? Well, that's a good question. What do you want? And we'll what come do back you to want that. the yes. woman to know about you? And what do you want to learn from her? Okay, that's the first choice. The second choice is loneliness. So we evaluate the profit and the cost always, because in every move we are taking, uh, we are doing in our life, there is risk. So we have to evaluate the risk, but it's always risk in our choices and consequences. So let's break that down a little bit. Okay. Uh, so it sounds like a binary choice, do or not do. But it's, uh, it's more than that, right? I can come and say, hi, I'm really scared right now yeah. to meet you. Yeah. And there is a level of authenticity and vulnerability, in which case the lady can say, uh, get out of here, or more than likely is going to go, hey, don't worry, let me say hello. <laughs> yeah. Or you can show, I'm going to be ego, and I'm going to be uh, bigger than life. So is show or don't show, and when you show, how do you show? Do you show your real self or do you go, you know, I want to be like Spiros. I want to be cool like that when I show up. I, I don't yeah, know. It's not so easy to be yeah. like Spiros, you know. Thank you. <laughs> 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 the thing is that you don't have to be someone else. You have to be yourself. But what you said earlier, that uh, hello, I'm really shy right now. Yes. It's a great opener. You can start a conversation with that because you're showing your real self and it's sincere and open. And uh, people really like this sometimes. I think part of the problem is this, is that most people do not know who they are. It's like Umar, well, that sounds crazy. Of course I know I am, uh, I'm Umar Hamid, I'm over here. But the reality is no, we have an illusion of who we are. And I think the reason the greats in history, whether it was Buddha or whoever is, they had to take a, like Buddha is like, he's wandering around. And then he finally goes to sit under the tree of enlightenment. And what he said was, it's hard to find God. Uh, if God wants me to find him, he should come to me. And that wasn't really what happened. It was like the self realization of who I am was the key to getting connection. And life so is I, suffering. Yeah. And so I think what the problem is that most people have a, this is what a leader should do. This is what uh, a good man should do. And all of that is bullshit. What it needs to be is this is who I am. This is my purpose in life. This is why I'm here on planet Earth, I think, is a human right that most people do not know. Knowing who I am in terms of my values around work, around love, around the person I want you to love most in the world is me. No, the most person I want you to love most in the world is yourself, right? If you can do that, most people do not love themselves. And it's like they're astounded that other people find them lovable. I think if a leader can do that, then they come at it from a place of authenticity. And it's very difficult because a simple question. Okay, you want to be happy? Of course I want to be happy. Yeah, okay. How are you going to do that? Tell me, what makes you happy? Yes. And the most things that make us happy, we have them already. And this is the hard part of realization about happiness. Because what we think that brings us happy is about money or it's about recognition. Because it's very difficult to know what makes you happy. Because in order to find what makes you happy, you have to feel pain. Because you have to make yourself uncomfortable. 
think there's a quote from Pablo Picasso. It says, you know, if it wasn't for the night, you would not see the stars. Of course. Of course. But if you are not make yourself uncomfortable to feel the pain and make the changes uh, to make your life better, then you will think that the things that will make you happy are the things that you are seeing the other people make them happy. As soon as I get my Tesla, I'll be happy. Of course. For one month. My house. And then my I'll go back to, pool, yes. My Ferrari, my Bugatti, uh, my great house. But, you know, these are things. And you have the hedonic treadmill from the psychology part, psychological part that is saying that, okay, everything that you will ever have about the things, uh, cars, houses, okay, jewels, it will be boring for you. There's a connection there. And I think, uh, at least in my worldview, we each have three faces. Face number one is the face I want to show the rest of the world. And so when I'm with my friends, it's like, uh, hey, I'm one of you. I'm a cool guy. And uh, But uh, the second face is who I think I am. I show people I'm a cool guy, but inside it's like, hey, uh, I'm lonely or shy or broken. And then we have the third space, which is who we truly deeply are. And I think very few people show up in life exactly who they are. And these people are the people that people want to be around because you feel safe. Because you know lots of people uh, in your personal life that when you look at them and you look at who they try to pretend to be, there's a difference. I totally get it. But is there a fourth path? I mean, Please tell us. Uh, Maybe there's a guy that you are trying to be. Let's say that... Uh, because we think that flirting is a way of evolving, a way, a way of self-development. Because when you're trying to attract people, you are showing your best self, and maybe you find out that some qualities of yours need to be improved. Yes, absolutely. And then you become someone else that attracts this kind of people. Absolutely. I think you need skills and that's what your company is all about is flirting and how to connect with people and how to be attractive to the, uh, to someone you want to find you attractive. Mm -hmm. and, and an opportunity to reconstruct yourself. Absolutely. Because we have, and one face more. Okay. You said three. Oh, he said four. Now we got yeah. fifth, which he was the fifth one. The fourth. Okay. Yes. And the fifth one is that all all of us, we have some insecurities, okay? That we don't know if we are enough. And you don't, if you don't know your self-worth, then you are trying to make the others give you... Validate you. Validation so that you can say, okay, I'm enough. So it's the face that we want the others to perceive us. Yes, absolutely. And this is very complicated because it's about a persona. We have a need and we think that we must show a kind of value that so that the others accept us. It's about the self-acceptance acceptance, and how the others accept us. Absolutely. And then to add to that, as Jesus says many times, when you get rejected, these insecurities get validated. Absolutely. And you know what happens when people accept us and we don't feel worthy of the acceptance? We tell our friends, 
I don't believe it. Yeah. Like she, and what we're really doing is literally, we don't speak accidentally. We speak the truth all the time. We just don't realize it. We think it's a figure of speech, but we reveal no. so much by the words we use. There are guys married to women for years and they still don't believe it. They wake up with, with these beautiful women and then beside them and they don't believe it because they have this imposter syndrome, you know, imposter syndrome. Yes, imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a really, really bad. What's really shocking is you, I meet a lot of people, let's say there's a group of 100 people. I would say a certain percentage of them will feel unworthy of love. Like I'm not worthy to be loved. And uh, that, that breaks my heart when I see that. And when a baby is, is born, it is completely helpless. And very, very quickly, it can get its father. In America, we say wrapped around the finger. When it becomes one or two, it's like, I control this man. He's, <laughs> he's mine. And then we go from that power of being ourselves authentically to growing up, second guessing ourselves and doubting ourselves. You know why? Because when there is a relation between a father or a mother and a child, there is this is unconditional love, okay? But when it comes to flirting or uh, dating, then love becomes an exchange of uh, value. We have something to offer and you ask for something back. I think this is true for a parent-child relationship as well. Why do you say that? Because... Uh, I do not disagree. Oh, no. But so why I say that is this, is that uh, uh, our parents want to keep us alive. Hmm. And many things are safe in this world. If I am six months old, this is life-threatening. I can eat, I can choke. When I put this in my mouth, my parents are happy. As soon as I do this, my parents don't say, put that down. They go into a fight or flight response because they think the most valuable thing in the entire world is about to die. Yes, but and why? they go, no, stop, dirty. And as soon as they do that, that baby does not think its actions is bad, it's dirty. It thinks it is bad. And this is how we create our comfort zone. Our parents' love is to keep us alive and they use, this is what they use to control us. They use fear, don't talk to strangers. They use guilt, this is anger towards oneself. We do something bad that the parents like, they do it for our best interest, then we feel guilty. Uh, we feel uh, lack of self-worth. And our parents, this was not their intention. Their intention is Total. to keep us alive and make us flourish. But those things create the comfort zone. And the comfort zone is the enemy. Because if we're not expanding the comfort zone, it is shrinking. And this is where you come in. Men reach out to you and say, I don't want to be lonely. I want to meet someone of my dreams. Help me. Yeah, it's about individualization process. Yes. And I think it's about maturity. That's the very complicated thing because, uh, come on, man, you can't be successful in your business and then you're going to speak to a woman and you're terrified. Something is wrong. Something we must fix. Yes, it's, uh, we have different rules for different uh, circumstances. So, yeah. like we talked about being friends with someone. Okay. Uh, the rules are, hey, I can be myself. They're a person, I'm a person, we can have a great conversations. Yeah. But soon as it's I want to date her, different rules come in and I behave differently. Yeah. And so, if we can just say, no, no, 
I'll give you a good example. We're, we're, this is really a sales podcast, I promise. We're going to talk <laughs> about sales in a minute. Is Sometimes I have someone uh, uh, make some cold calls. Yeah. Uh, and you make some cold calls. And what I do is I record you yeah. making your cold calls. Perfect. And then I say, uh, Christos, do me a favor. Call your best friend and invite them out to the movies this weekend. And you, I record you. And then uh, I play back both recordings. The second phone call with your friend, you have a rich, friendly, engaging voice. When you were talking to customers, it's like tight and rigid. And so uh, how do we... This is what you do. So people are calling you and they call, they see an ad on Facebook, they call. So you train your staff to uh, answer that phone call. How do you train them? So first of all, let me get you through the process a little bit. Please. Because we don't do cold calls. Why? Because of course. we totally believe that uh, the person that comes here in order to be trained uh, has to be really dedicated and really uh, open to this. So it must be his decision, not the sales pitch. Okay? Of course. So, yes, we do some uh, Facebook ads or Google ads. Of course. And uh, we have a strong social media presence. And when they see our videos or our articles, posts online, etc., they reach out to us. So they may ask something about their relationship. They may ask something about their fears or their, uh, let's say, how to approach a woman or uh, the woman I like, a specific woman. So um, the team that uh, Christos is responsible for calls them back. And then they, they go through a, a mini interview, let's say, to see if there is something, a program, uh, an educational material that we can produce for him in order for him to be trained with us. Yes. But the first, the first goal is to really understand their needs. Absolutely. Because sometimes I'm not hearing your voice. I'm hearing my thoughts. <laughs> and that's wrong. So how do, you, how do you create empathy in your sales team? Because to really hear someone, you need to have empathy and really hear. Yeah. And because it's so easy to go, blah, 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 then I'll yeah. say something. It, yeah. uh, but it takes conscious effort to pay attention. So how do you train your people to, be, to connect? Because people on the other end of the phone can sense this immediately. When someone's listening to me versus... There are two basic rules, okay? The first rule is that you are not calling a stranger. You are, you are calling a person that you know him, you like him, but uh, you don't know what he's doing in his life for the past six months or High school friends. Months, now okay? you don't know what's going on, yeah. yes. This is the first rule. The second rule is you are not calling the other person uh, to make a sell. You are calling him to know if you can help him change his life for the better. Brilliant. So two very important things there because uh, people can sense this. One, I'm just going to re okay, restate okay, of course, of is course. very much is like, you know, hey, this is a friend to be. And two, just really listening to what the issue is for that person. Because it's so easy to, uh, we do it all the time. We judge people in terms of, oh, you must need this. You must. Need and this. so this we need to avoid and, and get the person to say, this is what's going on. So how do you, do you get people to reaccess their emotions when they went to uh, meet someone? Because sometimes they met that person and sometimes they wanted to, 
but they felt so uncomfortable they did not. Do you get people to go back to that moment, your customers, to really re-experience the uh, discomfort of it? Something that we are doing with the person that we are calling, it's that we are trying to understand, and I'll make it uh, with a simple explanation, that the needs or the need that he have is multi-level. Multi-level, yes. Yeah, and the salesperson must understand that. And the other person must understand that. For example, uh, you want to find a beautiful woman, a quality woman, uh, that you want maybe to make a relationship with you. Yes. Okay, that's a need. Okay? But maybe we have at the opposite side another need. You don't have time because uh, you are a workaholic. Yes. These are two needs. And we must find a solution. Because if you want to become better at dating, okay, and you are saying at the same time that you don't have time, we have a problem. But I, I, can't, I can't communicate it that uh, with you because it's wrong, it's a very bad communication. Like, I can't say to you, uh, okay, you want to become better at dating, but you don't have you don't have time. Okay, goodbye. True, but sometimes uh, I feel uncomfortable dating or approaching women, and so what I do is I focus on work, and this gives me the excuse: the reason I can't do this is because I'm working all the time, and the reason yeah. I'm working all the time is to avoid the pain. So sometimes these things are aligned, but the client is not aware of it. So if your salespeople can give them the enlightenment of, holy shit, wait a minute, I had no idea. Because I think this is where we build connection is by asking questions, what we're trying to do is this, is not only understand, but if I can give my client an epiphany, then I build trust and I make their life better just in that conversation. You can also add here that... uh we tried to hire people that uh, previously were our students. They were here and they were experiencing the same needs and pains. Yes. So when they tried to discover the needs of, our, of a new customer, it's easier for them. Absolutely. You know? So you're in the business of love. Love. Dating. Da- which hopefully, <laughs> well, lust then. Lust, maybe love if you're like Love doctors. <laughs> yes. Well, love comes later. That's why. Absolutely. So for your salespeople, you have some salespeople that are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by uh, recognition. Some people are motivated by something else. How do you diagnose your salespeople? Because uh, you cannot do same thing for everybody. So to manage them, how do you uncover what their motivations are and how do you help them reach their potential? Every one of them uh, has their own motivation with one way or another they want a better life. The vehicle that will do that, maybe it will be with recognition, with money, and it's okay with that. Mm -hmm. But they have to understand by me or by Spiros that the most important motivation is that you can provide a service that really changes lives. And that's the number one motivation for a company. That makes perfect sense. But 
And ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> nice twist. Nice. Somebody may not have. Uh, so you can buy. Uh, you can get clones, or you can get people that come together for for a common cause. We want to make this company great because we help Greeks get more happiness. Uh, but the individual motivations may not be the helping. It may be the different things. So how do you balance the two? Because I know you want to, as a company, you have, uh, this is what we're about. But human beings are human beings. Yeah. So it, how do you balance the two? How do you ban balance the individual as well as the company doctrine? There is no secret sauce to this. We talk to these people every day. Your salespeople every day? Yes, of course, because... Needs change. Let's say our account manager, Agiliki, who is a great salesperson. Okay. Yes. Uh, at first, it was not about money, but now she has two kids. Absolutely. And, and money play an important role in her life. So, when it comes to Agiliki, we can say that money is very important motivation. But not only that, as Christos earlier said, when it comes to her job, She's paid very well and also creates a new future for some customers. Absolutely. And that's two great motivators. Yeah. And one more is the, sorry, it's the environment. Yes. The company's environment. Absolutely. Okay. We must have a bubble of respect, of responsibility, because if things don't go well, which will happen, You must know that I will not insult you, I will not judge you, but I will speak with you with a respectful way to find a solution to make it better. Yes. Because this is what a, le a leader does, makes his people better. That is the ideal, for yeah. sure. So going back to money, So it turns out that money is very, very important to many, many salespeople. But the research shows that money is incredibly important. I feel like I have to make a stack too. Till you reach your threshold hmm. of looking after all your responsibilities. Yeah. Then after that, for most people, money loses its power. Of course. Yeah. And then other things take over. Exactly. And so, you know, when you were earning this much and no kids, it's okay. But when you have two kids, then it's like, okay, we need to yeah. increase. <laughs> exactly. What is the culture at Men of Style? What would be the behaviors and the attitude that people have? First, I'll ask you, and then I'll ask Spiros. How would you describe the culture of this company? People first. People first. People first. What does that mean in English or Greek? Yeah. The most important person in the company is our customers. And... This is the number one. So let me pause you right there for a second. Of course. Because this is an ideal. And if we go to America or Canada, there will be at least 50 million or 100 million companies that will say the exact same fucking thing. But they will not mean it. So how, how do you guys mean it? How do you guys make it real? Because it sounds wonderful, okay. but how, give me an example of some of yeah. your people living and breathing this. Yeah, uh, it's very simple, okay? You are my customer. Yes. Okay, and you are taking a service for me. Three to six month, months after you finish the service. Yes. Okay, have I changed your life? 
That's is a good your question. life better? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to know it. That's it. That's so simple. Three months later. Yes. After we are finished. Our cooperation. Okay. Is your life better? Show me the results. Because it's very, very important. Let me ask it this way. Because I think that's a really good measure. Okay. So let's say uh, in America they have this store called Walgreens. There's a pharmacy. And they have uh, decided to measure the profitability per shopping bag. How can we make the shopping bag more profitable? And so for the people in the buying department, they have to buy the right products that customers want that are profitable enough to make more profit increase in the bag. The advertising people have to advertise to get customers into the store to do that. They train their staff to do that. So every department can connect what they're doing to the profitability of the shopping bag. And also, did we improve what we're doing? Let's say you've got uh, your digital presence, social media presence. So how do you tie behaviors of your employees to that goal, which I think is a brilliant goal, but sometimes people feel disconnected from that depending on their job. Okay, first of all, uh, we're a totally human-centric uh, company. Okay? Yes. So when it comes to our customers, the thing is that if, we, if they are not happy with the service, we don't stop till they're happy. That's our main goal. And all our people in, in this place are, uh, let's say, educated to feel and act the same way. Okay? Absolutely. And I think your, your results that you measure all the time is a very, very high level of satisfaction at three months exactly, and six months. Exactly. So you guys live it, breathe it. I'm just trying to decode it for our viewers that, you know, I understand that, but how do you actually do it? And you're explaining now, so thank you for that. Yes, we are, a, we contact them all the time. We're beside them. Well, first of all, when uh, they are in the process of the, the training thing, the training uh, procedure, uh, we go out with them. We flirt people with them. So you go out there. So just before we go further, what's the name of your receptionist? Uh, Maria and uh, Lenny. And who's upstairs now? Maria, I think. Maria? Oh. So uh, when I, this is the second time I've come into this company, and just that one person alone, uh, welcoming, warm, uh, make me feel, made me feel really special. And so she's living and breathing what you're talking about. Please let me give you a backstory. Yes. Some backstory because uh, I think it's crucial for the viewers to see. Uh, before creating Men of Style, before founding Men of Style, uh, we were, uh, let's say, professionals that we already had some careers. We were happy with our careers. Yes. But we left all, that, all this behind in order to create an environment and a company that's totally human-centric, as I said earlier. That means that when I go to my company, when I go to my office, I really like it. And I want people there to work with me that I really like. And they like me back. A little bit, let's say, but yes. they like me back. Uh, that is a, a main goal for our management team. Okay, We want people here that are okay to work with, that are happy to work with us. So a lot of... That's why you, you say Maria and Eleni, and they are very polite, they're very welcoming. Genu- the, and from the heart. Yes, very exactly. warm. Yeah. And one uh, more thing, okay? It's very important at the sales process to decode to, to decode the expectations of the other 
person. Of the customer, yes. Yeah. You have to know their expectations because you have to know if you can meet them. Absolutely. So if you can't meet them, you can't help them. Absolutely. And we always promise less than we can deliver. Yes. So Good. it comes so with a sense of over-delivering. Over yes. Nice. Gift. So before we part company today, uh, you're the CEO of the company. What is one uh, piece of advice you can give other leaders and leaders of sales teams to get better uh, performance out of their people? From my point of view, if they have a sales team, they have to evaluate if the sales team succeed with a very important goal, how is their psychology after? Give me an example of what you mean. Okay. Yes. They are celebrating for the company that they succeed the goal or they are saying, yeah, okay, at least we succeed. And what's the, the difference between the, the two for you? Because I don't want... <laughs> This is very difficult in the leadership area. Yes. Era, that they don't want, I don't want to succeed and to reach the goal for me. They, I want to reach the goal for the team, for the people, for the manager, for the, for the company. And this is, I think, the successful leadership. Agreed. You and I would be on the same page. I don't want to say that Okay, okay, I succeed, I reach the goal, okay, get the fuck out of here, okay? Yeah. Hey, get out of here, goal, because it was very pressure, it, it has a lot of pressure, uh, it was devastating for me, oh my God, because I have one more goal to reach, come on, man. The life is, it's goals, it's nothing more, nothing else, because you have to know where are you going, and that's the leader. That's the role of the leader. You, uh, so you I think a leader has three responsibilities. Number one is having a compelling vision that other people fall in love with and go, I want to be part of that. Number two is the culture. Yeah. How do people behave in the company? Is it selfish, which is biologically driven? I'm biologically hotwired to be selfish. And the only reason I'll stop being selfish is if you can create a vision that allows me to go beyond myself. Hence, when you were talking about when is the goal for the company, uh, people can celebrate and go after that. When it's about my ego, then it's different because when you leave the company, the company's value goes down. When you create it about the culture of the company, then you can leave. Uh, go on vacation for two years. The company still runs just as well. And the third thing is long-term shareholder value, how to make this more valuable. So for you, Spiros, what is one advice you would give people? Because you tend to be, if I can be uh, so bold, that uh, Christos is very much uh, uh, the results, yeah, yeah, yeah. data, and you are like uh, the, strategy, the heart. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is that- Both is like very important. Yes, of course. I would say that revenue is just the fuel in order to go on and uh, follow what your heart really wants to follow. Because if we measure profits and uh, revenue all the time and we have these metrics are as, uh, let's say, the end goal, 
then we lose our main focus, which is customer satisfaction. And I believe that this is the main factor that drove us success, if we can say that we have some success in our area. We do not measure revenue as hard as other people measure it. So it works for us. Maybe it, it will work for you too. Brilliant. Thank you. So I've been asking a lot of questions. Uh, questions for me. Of course. One. One. Only one. Yes. I have two. Three or five most important life lessons. I think useful lies are incredibly important. So I will tell you one useful lie that I believe that God lives here. It lives there. It lives in you, in you. It is my job to see the God in you. When I have fear, when I have doubt, when I don't love myself, it is very hard to see love in someone else. If Mother Teresa was alive, maybe I can see love with in within her easily. But when I think of somebody who is a fucking asshole, that that person has God within them. And when I become higher in my evolution as a human being, I can see love in that person as well. So I think that would be two things there. One, there's no such thing as truth or reality. It is just a fiction. Number two, God lives within all of us. And if you could see that, so when your salespeople are talking to that person on the phone that is being challenging or is afraid, uh, if we saw God in them, that we would just treat them differently. So there'd be two, and I'll give you one last third one. This may be a Bible quote, but is uh, there is no good, there is no evil. It's what meaning we give to it. So money in our society, there's lots of negative thoughts around money. Money is money. It's who we are. So I'll give you the fifth one. The Talmud has this one quote, which I think is the most amazing is, we do not see the universe as it is. We see the universe as we are. So I think I said the same thing five ways. I have one question, please. So let's say that you're in a meeting with our maker. Yes, yes. God. And uh, he goes, Omar, you've been a great, great person. And uh, to thank you for being such a great person, I will grant you one wish. I will change everything you want in this world, in, in, in earth, whatever, whatever you want. Can you state one thing that you would like to change globally wide? Right now, when we meet people, it's who I am as an occupation. I'm a Greek, I'm a Canadian, I'm a this. If we could change the world, and the one thing is that I saw you as a human being first. We all saw each other as a human being first. And then we said, oh, and I happen to do these other things as well. That I think would change the world. The truth sometimes lies in the extremes. It's always here that we could see, but it's hard to see. But when you go to the extremes, it's very clear to see. The most extreme communication relationship is between the person who tortures people and the victim. We train our soldiers that if you get captured by the enemy, 
this person is going to torture you and do the most horrible things on the planet, your survival depends on seeing the humanity in that person. Because if you can relate with them as a human being, they will see you as a human being and they will stop doing these bad things. And we train our people that torture people that you need to see this person as a thing or a number. If you see that person as a human being, that you cannot do your job effectively. And so I think communications is all about seeing the humanity in the other person. And it's so easy to overlook when it's day-to-day -day life. And I think that's the most precious. And that's what you spoke about earlier today was with your salespeople. See the human being on the other side of the phone. When you spoke about leading people, see the human being in that. And I think that at the end of the world, at the end of the day is what it's all about. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's been a privilege and I didn't have to do any hard work. You've got these talented people here <laughs> in your studio and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you, you too. Uh, please enjoy your stay in Athens and in Greece in general. You're going to Santorini tomorrow, right? Yes, Santorini, it'll be beautiful. Uh, it will be. Enjoy the beautiful sounds of Santorini and please come back to us. Brilliant. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 